0: Welcome to the Weekly Exchange!
1: This week in Forex and Strategy Game News we have updates on Stellaris, Civ 6, Endless Space 2, and much, much more.
2: Troy, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks. It's good to be here tonight, Nate. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing better this week than last week. Thanks for asking. Well, that's good. That's good. So this week we have
0: a guest co-host, Joshua. Welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Uh, I think I'm where um, Troy was last week. I'm, I'm oh, alive, okay. but the leprosy is kicking in.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah, you well, you better keep your distance, man.
0: Yeah, it's just a touch of leprosy, though, so it should be fine.
2: Oh, okay. Well, as long as it's just a touch. Yeah, yeah. Don't touch anybody with that part that's infected. (laughs) It'll be all right. All right. So, okay. Well, I think we should just jump right in. And uh, I'm going to start with an update from Empires in Ruins. And that is the 4X mixed in with a tower defense. So, basically, the game itself plays out... Like a 4x or maybe a 4x light, but the combat is, re- is resolved through a tower defense mechanism. So this past week, they uh, released a video showing some gameplay footage. Now, if you want to check it out from time to time, they have their beta. You can get on, you can get in on it. You can check it out. We'll have a link for them so you can see it. But anyways, uh, within it, they're talking about uh, how the build queue system is they're talking about the buildings themselves, how the build queue system is, you get to see the main map, and uh, the developer says that he's going to discuss, he's going to make a couple of more videos uh, showcasing some of the other features of the game. I mean, we've seen what combat looks like. It's pretty neat. Now, as somebody who's not a fan of tower defense personally, I'll give you an example of a game that is essentially a tower defense game, which is Dungeon of the Endless, and I really enjoyed it. So I'm hoping that the same thing that got me to enjoy dungeon of the endless is somehow sparked by empires and ruins because if it is it could be a very very interesting hybrid game and potentially it could be like the sneaky game that comes out of nowhere and like nobody really knows what it is and then it catches people's imaginations and it's something unique so you know for somebody that doesn't have um experience With these types of games, you should, you know, you might want to check it out. Now, I want to clarify something. Dungeon of the Endless very much is a tower defense game. Now, there's a lot of people that don't say it is because you have channels. You're creating channels. You're creating points where you have to, you have your enemies crossing through a particular pathway and you're trying to defeat them before they get to the end goal. That's what I thought tower defense was. But, anyways, I just wanted to clarify that. And, um, all right, Joshua. Why don't you tell us about Civilization? Civilization Six had a lot to show
0: this week. Yeah, this was a good week for Civ Six. Um, you know, they announced uh, the new the new expansion, Gathering Storm. Last week, they announced the first new civ for Gathering Storm, which we talked about was um, Hungary, the Hungarians. It was fine. Nothing that exciting was a civ. Um, you know, bi- bi- river based civ. You could have had it in you know last in the last expansion. You could have had it in Civ 5. This week they announced a Civ that was way more creative and way more interesting, um, and that's the Maori. So I'll I'll jump right to it. Um, the thing that's most interesting about the Maori is that they do not start on land. They begin the game at sea, and they get bonuses before they start their first city. This is really interesting. This completely sort of subverts the idea of what civilization is. Um, not I mean, not completely, but it does it in a way that's very interesting, right? The, what's the first thing you do in a Civ game? You settle a city. Maybe you wait a turn. Maybe. You move a little bit and then settle your city. But basically, your first move is always build a city. With the Maori, maybe not so much. You get science and culture for each turn before you settle your city. And then once you settle it, you get a builder and some extra population in the capital Your palace is a little better than what a regular Civ's palace would be. But this is, I think, the kind of creative thinking that we need to see more of with Civ, of sort of subverting how the game is supposed to work and making us rethink. Uh, So this was really interesting. This, to me, almost felt more like a beyond-Earth power, where you would start out Mm -hmm. in the middle of the ocean and then find uh, a place to settle. There's some other stuff as well that's a little more expected i would say for a civilization civ um the maori start with sailing and shipbuilding obviously since they're going to start in the middle of the ocean um they get more benefits from woods and rainforests which fits in with the whole uh, eco-friendly um nature of civ uh, the civ expansion their fishing boats will get more food and perform culture bombs when they're built which is pretty cool um then of course like with any civ they get a unique building and unique troops they get the Mirai, which is uh, replacing the amphitheater. It'll give you culture and faith. It provides tourism. And then you also have units, which are the Toa. Uh, they come in the classical era. You can see them. They look like cavemen holding giant um, jade clubs. Um, they can build a unique defensive structure, which, I mean, I never do that in Civ. Do you guys ever build defensive structures in Civ? Mm-hmm.
2: I have in the past. Okay. I Not to okay. like
0: tr- Civ three, I think. Yeah, not not for, like, not in the recent Civ. I, was, I agree with you on that. If trend.
2: I have a good choke point, I'll build something to just give me a bonus to hold it. All
0: right. You so know, you will use that. Yeah,
2: oh, absolutely. Especially if you have some kind of ranged unit, like early on, like a catapult or something like that. Mm-hmm. Imagine you park your catapult in this, and it gets a bonus, and you have something in front to soak up the billy damage, and you can really hold the spot with a few units. All right. So at least go. in principle. I mean, I, yes. I can't honestly say that the AI will be able to distinguish the fact of what of my, you know, ingenious plan versus <laughs> just throwing a wall, you know, a carpet of doom at it. So yeah. who knows,
0: you know? Yeah. Uh, the other thing the Toa can do is they have a, a Hakka war dance ability, which weakens enemy units' combat effectiveness. So, I mean, overall, those things are fairly generic. It's fine. Um, I think the Maori are a good choice. Um, they're a little similar. I think in Civ Five there there was the Hawaiian Civ, and I feel no, like the, the Maori, Polynesian. No, Polynesian. Polynesian excuse right. me. Um, so memory. the Maori kind of fit into that realm. It does feel like somebody watched a lot of Moana at at the um, at Firaxis. Yeah, um, cash it in on that. Yeah, uh, but I I love the fact that they've taken sort of the most essential part. Not the most. It, it's one of the. It's like when you play a Mario game, right? The first thing you do is you move Mario to the right. And we play a Civ game. The first thing you do is a build a city. So I like the fact that they've sort of given it some thought and tried to turn it around in a little bit. I'd like to see more of this sort of creative thinking um, as far as Civs go because this got me really excited. This is really interesting.
2: For sure, for sure. I, I mean, this my favorite faction in Civ 5 were the Polynesians, and having the Maori back, I like I like where they're going with this and I was I was watching the gameplay that they showed for it, so it'll be linked in the notes. You could hear, like, the hawkas in the background. It was mm-hmm. so cool. I was very, very creative. I'm really looking forward to trying them in the near future, hopefully, if we get a Steam key, <laughs>
0: so, which probably means you'll end up getting it. But well, whatever. spoiler alert. Whether we get a Steam key or not, I'm going to be playing it. So. Uh, me know.
2: too. Me too. Yeah. This is this is the sift to get me... Into the Civ 6. Civ so far, yeah. there's nothing that I want to play right now. Nobody there. Well, you know, I kind of like Matthias. Mm-hmm. The, the, so I don't know, man. You know, it's a Gathering Storm has quite a, so far, two for two for me. So, all right. All right, Troy, why don't you tell us about what's going on? What's, what's happening with 10 Crowns?
1: Well, I don't know what's really happening with 10 Crowns, which is the Forex game from Mohawk, which is the company that produced um, Off World Trading Company. But the company that is publishing Ten Crowns for Mohawk, Starbreeze, is in a bit of trouble. They've filed for reconstruction, which is not quite bankruptcy. It's a way to avoid bankruptcy in Sweden. And so basically, they're going to evaluate their assets, see what they can get out of them in order to keep the company alive. But at the same time the uh, Swedish government raided Starbreeze's office, took a bunch of their computers, and took one person into custody, according to Eurogamer.net. Ooh, so, that's not good. Yeah, so that really makes you wonder um, just how long Starbreeze can exist as as an entity at all and what that means for Mohawk games and Ten Crowns in particular. Hard to say. I mean, I, I, I really don't know how much you know Soren's going to be affected by this he I'm sure he's working on he and um let's see what was his partner's name there uh Dorian Newcomb, I want to say uh they he Dorian I think worked on Civ 5 and Soren worked on Civ 4 and so yep. I mean you know they're capable guys They know what they're doing and I don't I don't see how this affects their ability to to code a game and, and produce a game, it might make a difference in how they publish it. Uh, I'm not real sure. So far, I haven't or how seen they any, pay for it.
2: Right, I haven't seen anything
1: labor. from Mohawk about this. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they release any kind of statement in the next few days uh, in response to what's happened to Starbreeze. But uh, maybe they'll have to find a different... It's possible they end up with a different publisher. And, um, you know, I'm trying to think of a company that they might have a relationship with that they could work with to produce a 4x game that maybe has some experience in 4x games that you know might be better than a company that's best known for Mm -hmm. making a a shooter game about bank robbing clowns Mm. i I can think of one yeah it Mm -hmm. probably would have been the first one to jump into my brain too I, i don't know why uh shooter clown bank robbing games would uh, maybe have a larger built-in audience than a company that's, producing, that's been producing 4X games for almost 40 years. Yep. But, oh well, bank-robbing yep. clowns are popular nowadays, I guess.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, we never know the details of why someone chooses a publisher or what yeah. that relationship right. is like or what they were promised versus what somebody else promised. So who knows? But at this point, I, I think we're all just rooting for them to make a, a soft landing.
2: Oh, exactly. Definitely. I, I okay. want to see I want to see this game. I want to
0: play yeah. it. I'm really excited for it. Yeah.
2: So. Well, uh
1: keeping our theme of not news news, uh John Schaefer, who also worked on Civ 4. Wow, this is all kind of tied no, together Civ better 5. than I thought. Civ, Civ 5 Civ I 4, mean. Civ
2: 5. Civ 5. Civ
1: 5. right, with Dorian? My mistake. Um teased a new update for At the Gates uh on his Twitter feed this this past week and debuted a new logo for at the gates which i think looks a whole lot better than the old logo the old one i thought had more asian influences than something that would be uh taking place after the fall of rome uh, with the european barbarian tribe so i like the new logo we'll see what happens um the update that he's promising is going to come out uh the 11th which is the day before you hear this podcast so if you haven't seen the update that john schaefer uh teased last week and you're listening to this podcast go check it out it's probably on his twitter feed and then we'll be reporting on it in the next weekly exchange
2: absolutely okay well now let's talk about a game that does have lots of stuff out there this is age of wonders planet fall um at the time of recording they have uh, debuted through a twitch stream gameplay of the Dvar. And it's also on YouTube, so we'll have a link to that. It's like forty something minutes, and it has Leonard Sass playing with Knorr, and he's a paradox guy who is one of their, um, um, like one of their streamers and things like that. He did a lot of stuff with. If you if you don't know who I'm talking about, he did a lot of stuff originally with uh, Martin Anward and Stolaris, and now he's mo- working on this project. So basically. They showed the Dvar like for the first time, like really showed them. We got to see some of the heroes, some of the customizations. We got to see uh, some of their special abilities. And then um, once they hit land, we, you know, what the city expansion. So I mean, I can go into a lot of detail about a lot of things, but it's a lot more interesting. Just click on the video and watch it. It is fantastic. I'm I was like there are certain elements of the community. In general, 4 community, they're like, oh, man, you know, it's so unoriginal. It's, you know, it's dwarves in space. But I think what they're showing here is cooler than that. Yes, it's dwarves in space, but for a reason. It's not just, you know, oh, we just, we're looking for whatever we can to just fill out the roster with classic fantasy units. These guys are interesting. These guys are fun. These guys are heavy metal. Literally and figuratively it was, and they showed, they showed a minor that they went up against and this miner was plant-based and it was really, really cool. It was very interesting. And everybody was like in the, so they were talking about what was happening during the stream, like in the comments of the Twitch. And people are like, I don't know about the Dwar, but I want to play those guys. How do I get access to them? So what they did is they said, well, you know, if you uh, make an alliance with them, if you have them join your whatever, then you can go ahead and use, uh, you can use some of their units. So that feels to me like a cross between Age of Wonders 3 and Endless Legend a little bit. Now, towards the end of the stream, what they did is I think they revealed the next race that they're going to feature, and that's gonna be the Amazonians. And it was really cool. This this I mean, I'm looking at this and so far what I'm seeing is I'm seeing Paradox's take on Warhammer forty K lore. Because the Amazonians look like the Sisters of Battle, and you have the Dwar, Dwar, which are cross between Fantasy Battle Dwarves and the Squats from 40K, and you have the Space Union, which kind of looks like a cross between Space Marines and Imperial Guard. So I'm just like, I'm totally eating it up. I'm like, well, I might get my proxy Warhammer 40K uh, 4X, even though we already have one, but something that is like has more elements of a traditional 4X because what we have, which I will talk about, I guess right now, might as well go into it, uh, Gladius Relics of War, that one is about the battle. That one is battle, 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 war, 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 which is great, but it feels like there's a few things that are missing there, and here we have it in Planetfall. And now speaking of Warhammer 40K, Gladius Relics of War, this past week they released update 1.1.5, and this is mostly balance change, a couple of points that they address, which are important, stuff like uh, city resources, obstructed vision, uh, zone of control, and things like that. And then they did a couple of AI tweaks, which is like, okay, you know it's they, they've posted much larger updates. But what makes this important is this is like the news, not news, where they're saying that, in just a matter of a few days before we unveil what's coming next, which means most likely they're going to reveal the first major faction that's going to be added to Gladius. And my guess this is going to be the Tyranids. At least that's my hope. That would be I'm I would really be curious to see how they do the Tyranids. The art, the playstyle. It's just yeah. So that's that's what I'm hoping for. And based on some of the hints that they have put on Twitter in the past couple of weeks, that's what I'm Thinking the next faction is going to be.
1: All right, well, very interesting. We're going to take off into space now and talk about Endless Space 2. We got a couple different items to report on here. First is the addition of tutorials, and this announcement is very different and unusual. If you remember back when Endless Space 2 was coming out, Amplitude did this really interesting promotional thing where they acted like Enfer which is the supercomputer created by the Sofon faction, took over their company and their Twitter feed for a while and was tweeting out all this stuff and you could interact with it kind of like a Twitter bot and this sort of thing. And it was kind of fun and role-playing. Well, they're back to that for this tutorial announcement. And Enfer, the supercomputer, is asking for uh, humans that play Endless Space 2 to help out and run experiments for what kind of tutorials are, are needed for Endless Space 2, I guess. So, Nate, can you interpret this just a little bit? Are they asking people to record themselves playing and send that in, or just suggestions on what needs tutorials? What exactly is this nfer
2: thing asking for? So basically, they're creating a database of tutorials made by um, the players of the game. So you can submit... Um, Well, I can't speak about the VIP program, but there was there's something within the VIP program where tutorials can be made. My guess is that they're doing something very similar here where they're going to get uh, they want people to submit tutorials and then they're going to look through them. And the ones that they find to be the most useful, they're going to include in I don't know, maybe a wiki page or something to that extent, something that's maybe even linked to the game where you can go in and just check it out. You know, through like a tutorial button and see different people's take on how to handle things. That's my guess.
1: Yeah. Um they have a tutorials tab now on their games together site. Right. And they have it broken down into five different categories at the moment, like out game, whatever that is, gameplay factions, uh the, the different DLCs and this sort of thing. And I guess you can upload Tutorials and I, you can vote on them with your game together points. Mm-hmm. I it look it's a little bit cryptic, it's a little bit odd. Maybe they're doing it this way so that way the most enfranchised players get involved, and um, you know because they're going to be the ones with the most expert knowledge. Maybe and then they can uh, start marketing this to
2: you know the general fan base. Um, I don't know if it's a marketing thing so much as. Um... You know, players helping players kind of thing, you know?
1: hmm
2: Because the developers, when you're working on a game, in your head, you have a particular vision or a particular beat. The game has a certain beat. But then once the players start playing it, you know, they don't have the knowledge that you have about the game. So they have to create their own knowledge base and that's kind of what this is is it's like a place where you can collect all of that and you know people can find interesting ways of doing things that the developers never thought of because you know it's like you're creating the sandbox but you essentially are not really controlling every element of it you know you just throw a bunch of toys and you don't know what people are going to make with those toys right 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 so um
1: Amplitude is really getting into uh, making the players do all their work for them with that and with the (laughs) next item. LOL. They they can't decide on a name for their own expansion, so what they're going to do is they're going to let the community decide the name for the new expansion. This will go through a very similar process that the whole Umbral Choir went through, and also, if you recall, the Unfallen went through where... Uh, players suggest names and you vote on them with your uh, games together points on the Amplitude forums. And then um, whatever rises to the top is what the name will be. So uh, I strongly suspect we'll have Spy McSpy face. And
2: um, this
0: can only end well. Yeah. You're being cynical. That These was things not- only turn
2: out well. <laughs> okay, well, the point of the second thing was that they're they're opening um, the admissions for the closed beta for the expansion, for the espionage expansion. So that's like the, that's the main part of this. It'll be in the the link will be in the notes. So if you want to join the closed beta where you get access to the game, pretty much I don't know when it's coming out so here's the thing we are in december and their their big thing is towards the end of january so maybe six weeks seven eight weeks from now something around there it might come out so they're inviting people to sign up and they're going to pick a bunch of people for the closed beta that get access to the game i think that was the main that was the crux of this piece not named name the expansion But Spy McSpyFace, hey, you know what? If the community votes on it, I want to see what Amplitude does. I would be very curious to see what Amplitude does Yeah, see if they put their thumb on the
1: scale for something else. Well, Well, anyway, hey, Josh, why don't you tell us a little bit about
0: what's going on with Stellaris? So um, by the time you're listening to this, Stellaris will have been out for uh, Stellaris. Stellaris Megacorp, the new expansion for Stellaris, will have been out for about a week. Uh, While we're recording, it came out yesterday. Uh, So that's really the big news with Stellaris. Megacorp is here. Um, It's early enough that there is not a lot to say about it yet. Uh, I don't have the expansion yet. I know I'm going to be working on the review, but I don't have the expansion yet, so I can't really say much. Um, uh, Mark, Army P, has posted a little bit of it on our forums I think on the private forums. Though. I don't think he's put anything out publicly. Uh, well, but...
2: other than the seven videos on the YouTube right, channel. right,
0: yes, so other than the seven let's play videos. But he seems fairly pleased. Um, I know Oliver is not pleased. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but you know, the one thing I was going to say was with MegaCorp, I was really expecting a very buggy experience. It seemed like they kind of rushed to get it out, and I wasn't really that confident. Everything we've heard is that it's actually not bad, except for the one really big one, which is that it won't start when people try to launch it. So that's kind of a big bug. Um, well, how has Mark been playing it then? Obviously, well, it's not for everybody. we have the problem where it won't start. Oh, okay. Uh, they released a hot fix for it today. Uh, that should basically there's a freeze when you start a game on certain dual core systems the the game would freeze and wouldn't start and so they believe they've fixed that this is one of the bug fixes that make me nuts you know sometimes I understand sometimes like you know we didn't realize that when you push the you know the A the S the D key and you twirl around in a circle it will crash your game on the second hour of the third replay okay I understand they're going to miss that bug. Doesn't start is a pretty big bug. I think they could have caught that one. Uh, But it looks like they put a hot fix in to fix it. And according to at least what I've seen from Mark is it looks like the game is pretty stable overall. So that's two Stellaris bets I would have uh, lost there. One, that they weren't going to have the expansion until the new year, and obviously it's out. And two, that it was going to be really buggy, and apparently it is not really buggy. Uh, But working as intended isn't necessarily how some people would like it to be working. Nate, you wanted to talk a little bit about Oliver's post?
2: Yeah, so Oliver made an interesting post. So he bought the expansion, and he played it for four-some-odd hours late into the night. So that definitely, he was kind of impressed by that, that Stellaris was able to do that. But he's unhappy with some of the changes, and he went on to talk about a dream that he had that was very... Very, not, not graphic in a bad way, but like I was reading what he wrote and I felt like I was there in his dream. <laughs> but for, No, but for me, in his dream, what really bothered him was broken glass. In my dream, it would have been Legos, but the experience is the same. So one of the things that he was complaining about is that he was – um some of the changes that they made to the planetary, like the way they used to be the tiles. Now they have people's jobs and things like that. You know, you have the districts and things like that. And he was very unhappy about it. And he feels that the game is doesn't have direction and it's kind of floundering. So, I mean, this is Oliver. So he
0: always... He, yeah, I mean, I think it's important to remember the context that uh, Stellaris has never been the game Oliver is looking for. right. Right, and the, the Oliver's vision for what Stellaris should be directly conflicts with what the developers apparently feel Stellaris should be, what, I, at this point, I feel comfortable in saying the fans of Stellaris feel like it should be. Some of the fans. Yeah.
2: Because, I mean, Stellaris, it came out almost two and a half years ago. Yes. And it's gone through, I'd say, five, maybe? This is this would be the fifth major revision. Yeah major yeah. revision
0: yeah and utopia synthetic dawn this um well 2. no you 0. had you had apocalypse yes apocalypse that's 2.0 um yeah 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 so well, but it's it's not like for, and again it's kind of unfair to have this conversation without oliver here because we're all sort of yeah, oh no, no 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 but it uh, the thing is it's not like he loved it at 1.5 and they ruined right. his beautiful dream right. of solaris right.
2: exactly so and for me the funny thing is is like i could not for the life of me get into it until 2.0 right like i tried i tried every time all you guys are like nate you should play it and i tried and i just like i can't i don't know what it is and then when 2.0 came out because i helped with the review for that and when it came out i mean i put in like a hundred something hours i was like yeah. yeah all right this works for me i i feel it i it's feel just kind
0: it. of ironic because i think the rest of us hated 2.0
2: well it's remember i barely played it prior to 2.0 yeah so I didn't really have the experience with 1.5 and 1.9 and right. 1.3 and 1.7 and the horrible 1.8 and, the, <laughs> and the, you know, the meddling 1.4. You know, it's just like <laughs> middling 1.4. So, see, I didn't have any of that. So for me, yeah. it was just 1.0 and 2.0. Yeah.
0: So 1. And uh, 0. Yeah, the jump between those two things is is uh, massive. The massive. Right.
2: right so that that's it so for me it's like i will definitely give this a spin but it probably will not be unless i'm somehow directly involved with the review i don't think i'm going to be able to put any time into it for a couple of months it's just i don't have the time for it but i mean based on what i'm reading personally i'm also reading a lot of positive feedback yeah so you know i've a couple of youtubers that i follow um that do cover Stellaris a lot, they cover a lot of the Paradox games. A couple of them said some interesting stuff about uh, Megacorp, and one of the things that struck me the most is that one of the guys, I don't want to mention him by name because I don't, you know, I don't know if it, there's more than he wants to add to it, but he had said that the most interesting feature for him in this expansion were the car- Caravaneers. Mm. Not... Not the megacorps, not the structures, not the right. new tile, not, not the new planetary districts, right. not all the changes Which is really
0: part of Legan more than it's part of Megacorp. Well,
2: yeah, yeah but total... I mean, I it's you have to look at the whole thing together. I just look at it as, as one thing, you know. So, yeah, it was I found that very interesting, but I yeah. mean, I wouldn't know until I actually get to play it myself
0: now. And, and neither will I, I haven't been able to play it yet. Um, my plan is to start playing it next week. Okay. Uh, I am excited to try it. it. It does seem to fit in with my current Stellaris policy of Keep Stellaris Weird. So <laughs> right, right. Um, we'll see. Every The things that I've read so far have gotten me excited, but um, we're going to see. We're, we'll see where it ends up. So I'm looking forward to writing about it. I know we've been kind of quiet on Stellaris in the last year.
2: So mm-hmm.
0: looking forward well, to we
2: have we have a piece that's being worked on right now.
0: Right. So... We'll have
2: to see what happens if we can knock out like a review and a reexamination. So a review for Megacorp, and then as part of it, do like a nice section of reexamination, looking at yeah uh, 2.0, 2.1, like look apocalypse, and you know everything that's followed it since.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is sort of like we're getting into like how the sausage is made, is like how we plan out articles. But I'm imagining it's going to mostly be you know uh, state of the state of the game.
2: Right, right. Well, Since people,
0: people written.
2: are curious. They do ask us about it. I do get oh, of emails, and people, you know, tweet tweet us and ask us about
0: it. Stuff like yeah. on the forums. And the, and the short of it is that we suck.
2: We don't. We don't suck. <laughs> we're awesome. It's just we're all working full time with families yes. and kids, and it's just sometimes you know we can knock out half a dozen things in in a month, and sometimes we cannot do that.
0: Yes, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> there is that. All right. Well, let's talk about another game that uh, might be permanently and forever done with. And this is more. And we've had had coverage for it in the past. We've had several backers for the game actually post on our forums, and sometimes they defend it, sometimes they attack it. But one of the things that everybody involved with it can agree is that the developers for more have done Kickstarters several times where they collected pretty substantial sums of money and haven't really given anything in return for it and this latest update from basically the December 6th says that oh the people that their backers pulled out they have no more money if they want to keep working on the game they need another 500,000 and a couple of developers left and I'm just like at this point I'm I'm looking at it and I'm like yeah okay just 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 it's done it's dead kill it admit that it died release the code to the people that backed it, you know, release what you have and move on to something else because the more, it's not likely that this is going to come out. There are games that are in much finer states that are compared to this utterly complete that stand a better chance of coming out than this and those games are not out. And Those games have been, you know, in the, in the pot being cooked for years upon years, you know, what's the chance that you're going to get new people to come in and fix it and get it out, you know? I think it's very small. I mean, I'm not, I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not throwing any accusations. It happens, you know. It's like anything else. You know, you, you get ambitious. You have a lot of good ideas. You try to put something out and, you know, stuff happens. And it doesn't quite turn out the way you want it to. So that's more. All right. Well, let's talk about something a little bit more positive. Joshua, you're going to tell us about Star Control Origins. But before you do, a quick question for you. I know
0: you're working on the
2: review. How is that sucker coming along?
0: (laughs) So we're really going to do how the sausage is made.
2: Um, Yes, we
0: are. All right. So um, I'm over 20 hours into Star Control Origins. I have written about three quarters of the review, so it is almost done. Uh, So hopefully in the next two weeks at most. Uh-huh. There will be a review of, uh, not a review, because it's not a 4X. So it's not really a, a Star review. It will be a uh, an article about Star Control Origins, my many adventures in the game. I've enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to talking about it. I think it's going to be a very interesting discussion around Star Control Origins. Uh, the Of course, the frustrating thing is that we're almost done with the review, and they've announced that they're going to add more content. Uh, wow. that's, so that's the big news for Star Control. So tell us about the content. Yes. What's so thing? the new content is what's being called Earth Rising. It's going to be four pieces of DLC over the next year. Um, so it's a, you pay for Earth Rising. You get all of it. And it's a four-part season pass. And the first part, which they're calling Aftermath, will release on December 11th. So that's very soon. Um, will that be out by the time that this podcast runs? I think it should it be. Yeah, it should. the day before. I can't handle all this time travel. It makes me dizzy. So the good news with Aftermath is that there are new everything. New aliens, new uh, systems, new ships, new all of it. Uh, new quests. That's great. Uh, one of the things that I'm that you'll see in the review of Star Control Origins, I think is actually quite large. There's a lot to do in that game. And so the fact that they're adding even more content is very exciting. Uh, the way that they've sort of set it up, is that if you finish the game, there's now more for you to do. If you have not finished the game or you're thinking about purchasing the game for the first time, then it'll simply add in more content for you to explore as you play. So it'll either enrich the experience that you're having now, or it's more for you to do going forward. So that's very exciting. I think the thing I'm most excited about is the new aliens. I think that's the strongest part of the game. They, you know, not everything in that game is awesome uh, as far as the aliens. Some of them are great, some of them are, you know, kind of middling. So hopefully the quality stands up. But the ones that really work work really well. So I'm excited that there are some more people, well, people, more uh, characters to meet in the universe. That's really cool. Um, the only thing that I think is a little, well, I won't say, but um, right now they've announced that Earth Rising, so that the entire all four DLC pieces is twenty bucks. Uh, so part one will be available on December 11th, and then part two will be later in the winter, part three in the spring, part four in the summer. So my guess is by September, the whole thing will be done. Um, I, we will see where they go from there. But uh, if you think about it right now, Star Control Origins, I think, is $40 on Steam, something like that. Uh, might even be 30 And so $20 for uh, even though it's four packs of DLC sounds a little, I don't know, it's almost like you're paying for the game twice a little bit. But um, I am excited they're continuing to work on Star Control. They've put a lot of work into it. it they didn't just you know, release it and, and send it off to the winds. If you played Star Control and it first came out, the first month when it came out, I really recommend going back to it because they've done a lot of quality of life stuff. It, the, a lot of the grind has been removed. The game has been greatly improved. And um, I'm excited for the new content. I, th- I think it's worth giving it a shot.
2: Very good. Very good. Okay. Well, let's move on to this week's What Is... And I'm going to talk about a game called Ancient Frontiers Steel Shadows. Now, in case you're wondering, there will be a link in the comments to their Steam page. And this is set in the Ancient Frontiers universe. And this is basically an RPG with turn-based tactical combat in space. I think that needs that needs to be clarified. This is also coming out by the way on the 11th. And in here you play as a pirate and you have your there are 20 story missions, you have a potentially up to 50 side missions. You have um you can customize your pirate, the fleet, there's all kinds of unique mercenaries that can be joined, there's random events and um yeah, it's it's cool this is I mean again once more RPG in space ships turn-based combat it's the year of SpaceX com I think and uh, the combat system is pretty solid and I am um, I'm giving you know I'm I'm giving this a look and I'm curious to see how they have improved on the base game which is ancient frontier and um I'm very curious so definitely check it out if you have no idea what I'm talking about. Click on the link, follow it to the Steam page and watch some of the videos. The videos are pretty solid. Good work on that. Definitely should get people that are interested in these types of games to do exactly that. Continue and play. It. Now, before we go on this last part, um in the past whenever we've um we've we've talked about something that isn't strictly directly related to gaming, People have been like, oh, you guys, you know, we don't listen to the weekly exchange because we want to listen to that stuff. So this is, the, this is your heads up. This is not going to be anything that's going to hopefully set anybody off, but just you've been warned. So if um, you don't want to hear us talk about something that isn't directly related to the Forex and strategy genre, you might want to skip this part. And when in the notes, there will be a timestamp. But if you are curious what we're going to talk about next, Troy, why don't you lead it?
1: All right, well, it looks like Steam is going to be facing more competition and making things better for its own developers. So earlier in the week, we got an update about revenue sharing with Steam. And and currently, if you sell a game on Steam, Valve takes a 30% cut of your gross, which is normal, like almost all online stores take about 30 percent some a little bit more some a little bit less but that's about average it's pretty normal well now if a game on steam makes over 10 million dollars i guess us the revenue split becomes 75 to the developer 25 to valve and if you get above 50 million it's 80 20 which is pretty good for developers now for the 4X genre that's pretty much just gonna be Pharacis, Paradox, and maybe Amplitude. Right. Um but Or Creative you know, even,
2: Assembly. Creative Assembly with the Total War games.
1: Yeah, yeah. So not a lot of Forex games are going to really qualify for that. But there you go. And when I read this I thought, huh, that's kinda of interesting that Valve would do this. It's it's not usually their style to uh make things nicer for developers and customers, and so I'm a little bit suspicious about this. I wonder why they're doing it. A few days later, we got uh, what is perhaps the rationale for it. Epic Games is announcing their Epic Games Store, which is going to be a competitor for Steam. And for Which is, by you... the way,
2: it's open now, apparently.
1: Oh, is it? Really? Well, yes. Okay. Awesome. Um, for those of you who are curmudgeons like me and don't know much about uh, the gaming industry beyond Forex Strategy Games, Epic is the company that produces the Unreal Engine, which many video games are made in. on, I should say, and also Fortnite, which is what all the cool kids play nowadays. So anyway, Epic Games has their Epic Game Store, and their revenue sharing works like this. Developers receive 88% of the revenue. Epic only takes 12%, which is easily the best deal. It's better than GOG, good old games. Um, I'm not sure if that's better than Humble, but I can tell you right now, 88 and 12, that's pretty nice. And also, if you've used the Unreal Engine to produce your game, you can forget about that 5% royalty you owe Epic. That's going to be just included in the 12% that is uh, that that they get off your game uh, on the Epic Games Store. So, wow, guys, um, that is an incentive for developers to put their game on this. I don't know how they will incentivize um, users like us to switch to the Epic Games Store. I know. But if you'll let me continue. Oh, sorry. Um, You think about if you use the Unreal Engine to make your game and you sell it on Steam, you got to give 30% to Valve and 5% to Epic, which means you're only going to get $0.65 on the dollar gross for your game. You sell it on Epic, well, now you're going to get 88%. That's a heck of a deal. Heck of a deal. And it's not like they're going to freeze out Unity or, you know, your own independent engines for game. Nope, it's 88% for everybody. Everyone's treated the same. So you don't get any special treatment if you're using the Unreal Engine, other than you don't have to pay the 5% royalty fee. Uh, so, man, for developers, this is interesting. I, I will be fascinated to hear uh, our contacts in the 4X industry if they plan to offer their game on Epic in addition to Steam. So uh, it's something we'll be watching in the future. Nate, what is it you wanted to say? Well, two
2: things. So three things. So when we first heard about, we started seeing the stuff about Valve changing their, um, you know, what, what percentage of the cut that they take from game sales, until the information about Epic came out, which is them telling, hey, we're creating a competitive store. It was like, well, you know, lately, a lot of the big publishers are starting to create their own ecosystems. You have one for Blizzard. You have one... That's which is uh, nothing
1: new. Blizzard's always done. Oh no,
2: no, thing. no, 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 no. I no no, I know. I'm I don't mean and it like so I don't as,
1: mean that. Uh, <clears throat> Ubisoft. Yeah, yeah. You and, don't uh, play or something like that, right? You yeah, right. You
2: don't play and the origin store from electronic arts, and then you have uh good old game. I mean, I apologize, Gog, because that's so much better than good old games. Like good old games is awful. Gog. Now that's good. So You have GOG and then there's Humble Bundle. And then recently Bethesda said, oh, we're not going to be releasing games on Steam. So it's like I can see that Steam is feeling the heat, so to speak. But then when Epic announced this, oh, everything kind of fell into place. But the other thing that's interesting is that, do you remember back, oh, when was it? March that Steam changed or April Steam changed the rules and like they changed, like, in order to comply with the new laws coming out of europe so to protect gamer privacy they locked off who's playing and changed everything to private and this that and the other thing you remember that we made a big stink about it like a whole series of articles you can't yeah yeah remember it well turns out that the guy who was running steam spy actually works at epic i mean this wasn't a secret but all of a sudden this makes more sense could Valve have known something was happening because apparently for all these years, this guy, he has been analyzing all of Valve's data to come up with some kind of a plan to create a competitor is what it's looking like. Now you're the one who's being cynical. I'm not being cynical. You should follow his tweets. I do. I do. I've (laughs) been reading them for a long time. I'm not being cynical. We, We shall see. But what's more interesting. So you had said, what can the Epic Store offer to get players to try out this new this new ecosystem well, they're promising two two free games a month for the first year, so if you sign up like now, I guess you probably can supposedly get two games in December and up until next December or maybe even next January, so that would make it twenty six games in the next uh you know calendar twelve month twelve months so it really depends on what these games are going to be. These free games, are they going to be like AAA games or AA or something people want, or is it going to be just whatever? You know, but there's a lot going on. There's a lot of movement. And we've been talking about this for a long time that if Valve doesn't get serious, if Valve doesn't start treating Steam with the respect that it deserves, <clears throat> it's going to lose out market share. And here you go. Now, One more thing, the Epic Store will not have any forums. They're like, what's the point of us having forums? You got Discord, you got Reddit, you got all these other places. You can discuss it there all you want. And they're not going to have user reviews because that's pretty toxic, as you can see what's happening on the valves and other marketplaces. So what they are going to have is they're going to have a way for you to like create a trouble ticket and contact directly with the publisher and the developer and let them know certain things. So I mean, I don't know if the toxicity is going to be mitigated in any way by doing that, but it should be interesting to see how this works out. I'm definitely curious about it.
1: Yeah, I think they'll probably end up with forums on there, though. When it comes to reporting bugs, and if people want to only exclusively launch their game on the epic game store i i I wouldn't be surprised if some sort of some kind of social media thing makes it on there whether
2: it's blog style or i don't know what but i can't i can't imagine anybody would do exclusives just for epic unless it's theirs because you want to release it on as many platforms as possible to get as much reach as you can now here's the interesting thing because of this, does that mean that certain systems will no longer be able to interact with each other? Meaning that if you get, let's say, Fortnite, or not Fortnite, some other game that's going to be on Epic, will people on Steam be able to play with people on the Epic Store if they go online?
1: Um, when I'm playing World of Tanks Blitz, I play against people who are playing on their iPhones and Surface tabs. and Right. Uh, but I mean, everything qu- is just the question is android devices you know it's i'm on pc
2: yeah but like it's just we we have an example of this this is the ps4 and the xbox one so you don't have a lot of games do not have connectivity between those two platforms so people playing the same game on xbox one can only play with other xbox players and people playing on the ps4 can only play with other ps4 players or to be fair players.
0: sony has started walking that back
2: well they've they're being forced on a few yeah, titles they're being, forced to. they're being forced to but here's the thing this fragmentation is going to because of what's happening here is this i mean sony is huge is valve bigger than sony can, can somebody force Valve to do that? Either way, it's it's interesting times ahead. Well, the thing
1: is, I think the gaming companies host the game on their own servers. Valve doesn't host it for them. So when Sony has contracted out these servers, they only want it playing with PS4s.
2: Right. So we'll, we'll see. We'll have to see. It'll, either way. It's a bit of a different situation. It is now, but will it be later? You know, that's what I'm getting at. But anyway, I think everything's hosted on Amazon anyways. <laughs> so, it doesn't matter. Google hosts their stuff on Amazon, you know? So there you go. Anyways, okay, so let's move on to the next segment. Uh, as our guest today, Joshua, why don't you go first? What have you been
0: playing? So obviously Star Control since we just talked about it. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. Enjoying Star. I'm sorry, try you are going to say something? No, nope. no, sir. Oh, right. Just, uh, just hearing the voices again. Don't mind me. I hope um. So, so uh, yeah, playing Star Control Unity. Like I said, work Unity. Star Control Origins. Uh, working on the review for that. Uh, a couple of uh, non-4X game releases. Uh, they just announced the new expansion. Announced. They just released the new uh, expansion for Hearthstone, which is Rasta Khan's Rumble. So I've been playing that. Uh, enjoying a lot of odd mage uh, from the new expansion. That's been a lot of fun, very different way to play. Uh, a lot of fun to do that. Also, uh, Smash Brothers, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate came out today for the Switch. That was a lot of fun. I've only had about eh, three hours to play it, but I've gotten, my, uh, gotten a little time in there. It's a lot of fun, lots of new fighters, but it also sort of still feels like Smash Brothers, so I think they've got the balance right on that. Uh, and then that's pretty much it. I know I should have more 4X games in my list, but I really don't. Not till, not till I get uh, Megacorps and then it's all Stellaris all the time. Okay, what about you, Troy? I
1: had a super busy week. Thankfully, no uh, disasters, but very busy. And I just I logged on to open my loot crates and World of Tank Splits,
2: and that's it. I haven't had
1: a chance to play anything else at all.
2: Uh-huh. Okay, well, before I tell you what I've been playing, so of everything you've mentioned, Joshua, I know Star Control. Everything else to me is like okay, Do I need to explain? I, no, oh, no. Hearthstone's please. a good game. Don't yeah. explain. Please don't. Okay. Please. I bet <laughs> Please <you>. no. <laughs> please no. I don't know. <laughs> you wanna if you wanna make a video about it to host it on YouTube,
0: you can do that. But that's it. I don't think our fans really care about me playing Hearthstone or Super Smash Brothers. I don't know.
2: I don't know. We gotta try everything, right?
0: Mm. Put in so. the comments. If you want more content around that stuff, I will create it. All right. So for me, I,
2: I've i also December, May and December are horrible, horrible months for me to game in because I got so much stuff going on at work and home and whatnot. But having said that, I've put in maybe three hours in Thea 2 this week, and I've been talking to the devs at MUHA, kind of giving them some feedback, getting some questions answered. So I'm looking forward to the next stage of the beta where they're going to release more stuff to the public. I mean, they've, they've had, they've released a few things this past week. I think they added, um, uh, they, well, <laughs> they've had several patches, but as part of the patches, I think they added a few more portraits. I'm pretty sure there are two more portraits for the kids, for the human children and a few things disabled, uh, like kids growing up when you have non-human children. So that got fixed and like in my Thea two game. So, okay. So when you have a kid, which is different from thea two is different than thea one so in thea one a kid was just an item that you carried along and then all of a sudden poof now you have an adult in your party you know or or in your village like it goes from child to adult and you know instantaneously or many many months whereas here in thea two it's different you don't have babies anymore but you have kids so your kids have uh stats they can do stuff it's reduced they can't carry as much they're not as strong but they can be pretty sharp they can be pretty smart and like when it's time for them to grow up you have a certain amount of choices available to you and you can pick it and your kid can either be what you hope for them to be or maybe they become something else so if they um fail some behind the scene roles they become scavengers they're not as good as like the regular classes but they're still you know better than nothing right or maybe your kid like transforms maybe your kid was a changeling or your kid was a demon or your kid was something so in my current game one of the kids became a demon and this demon is freaking awesome it's damn powerful and um yeah I'm alright with that. So, that's that's been my Thea 2 this week, and um, what else? Uh, fired Up Aggressors did that for maybe 30 minutes, because I'm still working on the review, so I had a couple of things I needed to adjust in my review that's, I don't know, I don't want to put a percentage on it, because I, I'm just not sure, but it's, it's getting worked on. And, uh, I think I'm done for now with Red Dead, definitely for the month of December, so there'll be no more Red Dead for the month of December. Um, but there might be more in January. and uh, yeah, I think that's it. I haven't I haven't had too much time, so if Gladius r- drops anything, I'll definitely check that out. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing more stuff from civilization and hopefully getting a key for them for review purposes you know so we'll see how that goes and uh plan of i'm super excited for oh another game we haven't talked about lately but uh there's been rumblings that um pax nova is going to be releasing some more information soon so looking forward to that and a few other games so um i think that's it i think that's it for me
1: all right
2: very cool is there anything you want to say before we close up uh thank you for our patrons to our patrons. You all are awesome. We really, really appreciate you. Thank you to our community that's slowly but surely continuing to grow. Our curator page is approaching 6,000 followers. That's pretty freaking cool. Um, Mark's been killing it on YouTube with his Stellaris videos. So if you haven't seen him, there'll be a link to the playlist in the notes. Come check it out. Uh, Dallin and Ben, they've been on a bit of a hiatus with twitch but hopefully they'll be getting back to it sooner rather than later but with the holidays and everything like that who knows we'll see and uh i think that's it that is it
1: all right very good uh we'd like to thank everyone for joining us we really enjoyed having you this podcast this has been troy josh and nate for Explominate. take care everyone
2: see ya